Okay, this morning it was, it was uh, uh, Mike prayed, and, and uh, I just want to say a prayer again. Father, we just, we just ask that the sentence would come forth from your presence. It would be your words without any admixture of anything else, Father. We just, we're asking for your, your, your just divine thought and nothing else to be mixed with it. Just thank you, Father, for your word, and thank you, Lord, that we still have the freedom in our country, the freedom of choice to submit our will, just to have you in this way, Father. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this morning, I'm... uh, just going to speak on what it means to watch and what that means to us today. I'm going to read some scriptures this morning and then we can get into uh, the word. In Psalm 127, verse 1, and again, remember these Psalms are written, all those that are the positive truth are written in the very spirit of Christ. They all have to do with the spirit of Christ. So, In Psalm 127, verse 1, it says this, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes but in vain. So in this sense for us, as I prayed this morning, what would be the New Testament, the New Covenant for us as the church? What would be that place, for those that, build, that are to build the house, what must precede it? What must precede it? And of course, it's going to be watchfulness first. Because if it's not his watchfulness with us in his presence, anything that we do is just a result of the vanity of the flesh. So in Acts 6, the counterpart, I believe, to uh, to Psalm 127, verse 1, is this, in Acts 6, verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer. That's how we watch. I, I, I think, honestly, with men, I think it's the least valued thing in the spiritual life. And yet, it's the most important because this is brought out in Ephesians 6, 10, to 17. We can have all that equipment on. We can all be taught, have thorough truth. And yet, without giving ourselves to his presence to hear the communication of what he would say and how to do it, which would be wisdom in James 1.5, then what, will, what do we do? Well, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Isn't that interesting? We're not given requests we're not coming into his presence with certain things that we think that we need to pray and give over to him. We have to give ourselves. We give ourselves to prayer, to his communication in his presence. We give ourselves continually to prayer, and then it's the ministry of the word. Then it's his word that builds the house, and there's nothing mixed with it. So the watch, a 
a watchman, which is so very, very important this morning uh, for me as I considered it. Except the Lord build the house in Psalm 127, verse 1. They labor in emptiness and vanity that what? That builds the house. Except the Lord keep the city. Except the Lord keeps the individual in his presence. Is he a true watchman? Is he a true watchman? And what is he watching for? What is the pastor teacher doing? Is he watching? Psalm, and again, these psalms are for, for Israel, but for us to glean from, of course, because we know in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. Every single bit of it is. So in Psalm 125, verse 1, it says, They that trust in the Lord will be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abides forever. And that's a beautiful verse. When we get it, I know this, this when, when we get into the presence of the Lord and when, I, and when I get truly into the presence of the Lord, when I've given myself over to him, it's a beautiful thought to understand that in Psalm 126, verse 5, it says, they that sow in tears will reap in joy. They that sow in tears will reap in joy. Another, it's just really a beautiful thought here. We'll reap in, 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 a, in a song of joy. Because he that goes forth from that place in his presence, weeping, we can bear that precious seed, which is, of course, the word of God. We know that. The precious seed will doubtless come again and keep coming with rejoicing and bringing his sheaths with him, bringing all the fruit of the work of Christ that he's done in us and that he only can do through us. And so we see that in such a beautiful way. We see again in Psalm 132. I love this portion here, and we'll get into that word watch very soon. But in Psalm 132, this is David. He said, Lord, remember David. Of course, will God ever forget us, those that are in Christ? Of course, no. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore, he took an oath and vowed unto the Lord and unto the mighty God of Jacob. Surely I, notice what he said, surely I will not come in to the tabernacle of my house. I won't do it. No, I won't go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. Listen to this. Until I find out a place for the Lord. I mean, every single place in our life. This is, this is each individual, but especially for the pastor teacher. I am going to give myself because I don't know the places where he doesn't occupy. I don't know them. Only he does. And of course, when we get into his presence, there's never any condemnation in Romans 8.1. There's only what? Comfort of conviction. Conviction. Until I find out a place for the Lord, a habitation for the mighty God, 
of that mighty God of Jacob. Lord, we heard it at Ephrata. We found it in the fields of the wood. You could do it anywhere. We will go into his tabernacle. His tabernacles, because we're prepared for what? We will worship at his footstool. What a place just to be seated, just to be seated at his feet as brought out in Luke 10. We see that in Luke, the 10th chapter, in verses 38 to 42. So to watch, I'm going to watch this place of watchfulness. And what is it, first and foremost, that the pastor, teacher, the leader should do constantly? I mean, if he can't lead himself, if in areas of his life that the Lord has not found a place, of what use can he be for others? Of what use? And so, what do we see here? We go, we go into his tabernacle, and when we do, boy, we are to be seated at his footstool, at his footstool. And what a tremendous thing that is. And then we see in Habakkuk, and we'll just I'll read that in Habakkuk, the second chapter. Remember, we as the church, we glean these things. We glean from them the operation of God and how he operated uh, through Israel. That's all been fulfilled for us in Christ. Here's, here's Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. It says, I will stand upon my watch. Of course, thank God we can do that because in Romans 5, 1 and 2, we're standing in him. Upon my watch. Do you hear that? Each individual has a watch. Something that they have to watch and be careful over. Each individual has that, but especially, especially those that are leaders. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. The tower here in the Hebrews, a fenced place. It's a place. Remember what we just read? I won't go to sleep. I won't go in, I won't do anything else until I find that he has a place in me. We, we read that in, in the psalm just recently, just before. And so I will set me upon my tower or my fenced place. You know what that means? The individual, first and foremost, when he gives himself to prayer, the leader, he is, he is guarded himself. He's guarded himself. Completely guarded. And we'll watch. Notice this? And we'll watch to see what he will say. What he will say. When it says unto me, you know what it says in Hebrew? What he will say in me. I'm going to watch to see what, what he will say in me. And what I will answer when I am reproved. Do we need that? And is it love that does that? Does the leader need to give himself to prayer so that when he does minister the word, there's nothing mixed with it? In Acts 6, verse 4. And the Lord answered me. Notice that. Not until I stand upon my watch 
Not, a, not until I'm in that fenced place of security and safety where I hear him and him alone, where he deals with me in loving reproof, loving reproof. Not until then does the Lord answer me. Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me when I call unto him. And yet call unto me in a proper place. In, oh, in Jeremiah 33, in verse 3, call unto me. Notice this? That's watching. That's prayer. That's giving yourself to prayer. Call unto who? Me. Don't call unto one another. Don't come together and call unto one another in a fleshly relationship even as those that are in Christ, in terms of, of familiarity. Boy, we need to be, have that dealt with in our lives. We, we definitely do, because all it will end up being is a fly, and flies feed on death and filth. And the apothecary in Ecclesiastes 10, verse 1, and that is, keeps out the flow of God's answer, his loving answer in our lives, our own familiarity, because familiarity starts with God. Then it enters into me. Then it enters into other relationships where I think I have a right and think I know how to be around certain individuals, especially those that are closest to us. Closest to us. Well, he said, and the Lord answered me in Habakkuk 2, verse 2. And then now he said, write the vision. You know, in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, it says, without a vision... The people perish. Pastors, leaders, husbands, men, without a proper vision, with nothing in your eye but Christ, your eye being single in Matthew 6 and verse 22, so that there's no darkness, so that you don't, so that there's no darkness of the flesh using the light in Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Because if the light that be in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? He said, write the vision, Proverbs 29, verse 18. Without a vision, really the Hebrew says, without a redemptive revelation, the people become ungovernable. They cast off restraint. Prayer, the protection of God's love for the individual, for the individual, especially in the midst of spiritual warfare. We say, we, we, God mentioned it to us in the scriptures again in Ephesians 6, 10 right through to the 19th verse. Write the vision and make it plain upon tables. Make it plain upon this, the word, the preaching of the word, that he, even he that runs, may read it. Even he that runs and is caught up in the details of life. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, details, details, details. Details and not prayer. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. Not the flesh and the believer, no. Nope. It will speak, and there won't be any lie in it at all, any admixture, any lie with the truth. Though it tarry, wait for it. Wait, wait. His soul which is lifted up in him. And that's all we can function in when we're not given over to him in our human spirits. Is not upright in him. 
but the just will live by faith. Will live by faith. Again, there's watching here. We're going to see these words, to watch. And what it means to watch. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Matthew 24. You wouldn't believe the things that we need to watch. Individuals, past pastors, we need to get in his presence. To think that we're not susceptible to any evil temptation or any works of the flesh is utter nonsense and just pride. Thinking we know enough not to get into his presence constantly and worship at his feet is utter nonsense. Thinking we have certain rights to be a certain way around God first and our conduct. And then to bring that into other relationships. And to, it's just so convicting. You look at Matthew, the 24th chapter. This is the precursor to Christ coming back in the second advent. Read that 24th chapter, and if we had the time, we would get into it. We would get into it. Well, read it. Matthew 24. Oh, boy. Verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour knows no man, of course, when Christ is going to come back, but also how much time we actually have on this earth to be able to watch. How much time we actually have. And not getting familiar with God and getting familiar with time, and buying the lie that we have more time to do what we know what we should do and yet put off. (laughs) The greatest lie of the enemy for the believers, you have more time. That's the greatest lie. You've got more time. You have more time to do what you know to do. James 4, verse 17. But of that day and hour knows no man, no Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now, but as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. What were the days of Noah? You see that in Genesis 6, chapter and 11th verse. You saw men in Genesis 6, verse 5, that their only thought, listen, their only thought outside of Christ was only evil continually. Every purpose, listen, every designed Every plan, and that's us in the flesh, is only evil continually. Boy, we need the preciseness of the word, the preciseness of the teaching of the word that God is so graciously giving us this morning, which every man, especially in our circles, should hear this. Every single one. Every single man should be hearing this. And it starts with me. Each individual. But as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. That's the second advent. There's only only something that happens between the two, which the enemy, even today through false teaching, is trying to do away with, like there's not going to be a rapture. When clearly the scriptures, and clearly hundreds of years ago that was taught. It's not something new from a bunch of men, certain men in the, uh, in the mid to latter 1800s. 
as in the days that were before the flood, they were what? Friends, listen, what were they doing? What occupies a husband, a father, a pastor, a man? What occupies them? What occupies us? Eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Listen, and knew not, because they weren't watchful, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now that happened, without a doubt, we see, in the 8th and ninth chapters of Genesis, starting in, in the 6th chapter all the way to the ninth. That happened. But here in our dispens- this dispensation of grace, this church age that we are in, judgment in 1 Peter 4, verse 17, begins in the house of God. That's us, the church. That's individually and us corporately. What must it be to, if there's judgment for us, in other words, dealing with us in areas, dealing with us in areas that have already been dealt with by Christ. And again, God will always let us know that our sins are completely and utterly forgiven. But don't think, and I shouldn't think for a second, he's going to bypass them and make them known unto us. Because that goes into the cost of his son, what it cost him so dearly. Notice again, for in the days that were before the flood, that speaks of judgment, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and they didn't know it because they weren't watchful. Does that remind you of something? Reminded me this morning of this particular chapter in the particular church age where we're living right now. Literally. And there's all kinds of so-called Christian teaching to back this up. Giving the believer rights they absolutely don't have. Absolutely don't have. The only right we have is to receive who Christ is and what he's accomplished. That's our right, period. Nothing else has to do with who we are in Christ. Everything else is outside of that. And those are the things of the world in 1 John 2, verse 14, in opposition to, in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 14, the things of the Spirit of God, the things of the Spirit of Christ. What age are we living in right now? Revelations 3, verse 14, unto the angel. Listen, and the angel there is the spirit that he's speaking to in each individual, by the way, but especially also leaders, leaders. And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, right, the Laodiceans, these things says what? The Amen. The faithful and true who? Witness. That's why we need to get in his presence and watch. He's the faithful witness. The beginning of the creation of God, I know your works, that you you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, believers, in Christ, I will spew you out of my mouth. That's fellowship. There will be no fellowship. Yeah, go preach. Yeah, go on your way. Yeah, and your relationships just all the same. Well, eating and drinking and mixing Christ in it, <laughs> having these plans. God Almighty, God forbid. Because you say, I am rich. God. And increase with goods. I don't know if you're a pastor teacher, I know you should be doing one thing. 
if you truly are. If you're truly a pastor teacher, read Acts, the sixth chapter. Okay? Read it. If you're truly a man of God, a pastor teacher, if you have, believe you have that gift, that's going to go into a lot. Because you say, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. And know not that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, hardened, and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. That's the trials. Burning out the flesh and purifying who we are in Christ. In 1 Peter 1, 7, Job 23 and verse 10, very clearly in the scriptures. You are miserable, poor, blind, and naked living in an uncovered areas, uncovered because there's no watchfulness and the flesh takes over. No watchfulness for any of us. You're blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich, true rich. Christ the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. The true riches in Colossians 2 and verse 3 where they're all hidden in Christ. You know, he hides. He doesn't give a thing to the flesh. We're blind, we're hard in the flesh. We need to get into his presence. I need to get into his presence and watch and wait and listen. Oh, how men need to get together and pray in 1 Timothy 2.8. Men, masculine, unair, men, men themselves to pray. I counsel you to buy of me that gold that you may be rich in white raiment, putting off the flesh. How are you going to do that if it's not in his presence? Putting it off in Ephesians 4, 20 to 24, that you, that you what? Put it off. That you may be clothed. Put on this white raiment that you may be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness Oh, what a shame. What do, we look, what do I look like to the world? How am I acting? What is my conduct? Where is my treasure? What do I spend my time in? What do I do with the preciousness and the opportunity of time? In 1 Corinthians 7, 29, Ephesians 5 and verse 18, 16, Ephesians 5, verse 16, and Revelations 10, in verse 6, with, with Psalm 39 and verse 4 and Psalm 90 and verse 12, and the correlation of those scriptures about the preciousness and opportunity of time while we're on this earth, because it's, as it's brought out in Revelation 10, 6, time will be no more. That the shame of your nakedness does not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see, oh, pastors and leaders, what can we see if we're not in his presence, if we don't watch, if we don't hear? What do we have to give? An admixture? And by, our, by the way we act and conduct ourselves around other believers, mix that with the precious word of God, and that teaches other believers what's okay and what isn't? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, be on fire, therefore, and repent. Behold, I st I'm standing at the door and knocking. That's what he's doing this morning with the word. He, he was doing it with me. He's doing it with me now. He did it with me 
this morning and he's doing it with me now. I stand at the door and knock and if any man will hear what? My voice. There's many voices in 1 Corinthians 14, 6 to 11. None of them are without significance. None of them. But there's many voices in the world. Many voices to command and tell the Christian how they, how they can live, but it's only the flesh if I'm not in his presence. Gosh, when should we not have fellowship? When should not the character of who we are in 1 John 1, 7 be not what is the gathering point for us, no matter where we go, no matter who we're with, no matter who we're around? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, this is the will. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And then you will overcome. And then I will grant that you can sit with me in a place of reigning, reigning over yourself first. Pastors, (laughs) men, leaders, give yourself to God in prayer. Prayer is getting into his presence and allowing him to communicate what needs to be communicated to us personally. And then to the ministering of the word, as again is brought out in Acts 6, verse 4, to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne where I'm ruling and reigning, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear, he that has a will to submit, hearing, not just hearing and declaring, but submitting to it, Let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church, by the way, in the original. It's not plural. To the church. Watch. What are we watching for as individuals, first and foremost? What do we watch? We watch. What do we watch? Well, again, Matthew 24. Watch in Matthew 24, verse Verse 42, watch therefore, for you know not what hour. You see the time involved? The time involved? The precise teaching when God has it. Listen, men, the precise teaching when God has it, and I can miss it for that hour. I can miss it. You know not what hour your Lord does come. That's just not second advent. That's right now in the times where we are. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch, see that word watch, the thief would come. He would have watched and would not have allowed his own house to be broken up. That's in the individual. That's the pastor with the church. That's the husband with the wife in his household. Certain things. Yes, we all miss certain things, even in our upbringing and even in the upbringing of our children. That's why we need every joint that supplies. That's why we need the preciseness of the Word of God and preciseness. Otherwise, we're not watching. I don't have the substance with which to watch. And so we see that. I heard a report that while Mike was here, that there was preaching of the word and that there was a time of brokenness. And instantly when God told, when I heard that, instantly he told me this and he said, write it down. The times of brokenness are are the preparation for the times of soberness. He doesn't break us to make us comfortable and settle down. 
brokenness has to do with sobriety, with waking up and be and entering into the preparation of watching. Instantly, he told me that. Instantly. He would have watched and would not have allowed his house to be broken up. Therefore, be you, individual, also ready. For in such an hour, an hour as you think not, because you're not in his presence, you're not watching, the Son of Man comes, comes to do a work, wants to do a work in you, wants to do a work through you. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord has made ruler over his, whose household? I don't know. Whose family do you think it is? Yours? Mine? Whose church do you think it is? Yours? Mine? And I can watch? I think I can watch others, and I don't even watch in areas of my own life. Why? Because there's no prayer. There's no giving of ourselves. Who then is a faithful and a wise servant? whom his Lord has made ruler over his household. I mean, can I rule over my household if I don't even know how to rule over myself? I think I have standards of certain behavior that are okay. And believe me, they're not okay. They're not okay. They're not okay. And the enemy will give a thousand different reasons and excuses why we can function in the flesh with each other, and it's okay. And it's not okay at all. That's why we don't take the place of each individual in a local assembly. Never. We're all equal in Christ, but we don't replace one another in the gift that they are, in the man himself, and the gift that he has that God has given in Ephesians 4, 8 through 16. Ephesians chapter 4, 8 through 16. But here, as we begin to close this up, he whom his Lord has made, in Matthew 24, 45, ruler over his household to give them meat, to give them the sustenance that they need to feed on. In due season, in God's season. And he gives us the word to not only teach us about the past that's done away, but to give us present life and to prepare us for the future of what's going to happen. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, will find him so doing. Truly, I'm, I'm saying unto you that he will make him ruler over all his goods, and his goods won't rule over him. His schedule, his material things, all of those things. Now, we're going to have to keep going on this because there's so much in this verse. There's so much in this watching. So probably going to have to continue this on Friday. But in, Ma in Mark, the 13th chapter, in Mark 13, again, Mark 13, verse 32 says, But of that day, in that particular hour, time frame, knows no man. Only God knows. That's why we need to watch. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take you heed. Watch and pray. Can't separate them. Watch and pray, for you know not when the time is, but God certainly does. 
For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey. Jesus Christ, he's in heaven. He took a far journey. He left his house and gave authority to his servants. To every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch you, therefore, for you do not when the master of the house comes at evening or at midnight or the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly, God forbid, he finds you sleeping in the passivity of getting caught up in the details of life, thinking that the certain things that you do for your family, God Almighty, other than this preciseness of the word of God, I mean, you're, you know, like husbands, fathers, you're preparing your family to, for eternity to face Christ. What would be more important than that? Are we just here winging it day by day? Lest suddenly, lest coming suddenly, he finds you sleeping. And what I say, I say, I say unto you, I say unto all, what? Watch. 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 Mark 14. 34. And it's also in Matthew 26 also. But here in Mark 14, this is Jesus. And he is in the, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. All of hell is upon him, trying to break down his physical human body so he cannot go to the cross. All of hell is pressuring him. Luke twenty-two forty-four says he sweat great drops of blood. Basically, you're almost dead or you are. And again, in that same chapter, Luke 22 with Matthew 26. He said unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry you what? Here and what? Watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. In other words, the hour that would interfere with him going to the cross. You see, he set his face like a flint. And you can see that in Isaiah, the 50th chapter, verses 4 through 7. And prayed. And he said, Abba, Daddy, Father, all things are possible unto you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but that you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And said unto Peter, Simon, why are you sleeping? You mean you couldn't watch one hour with me? You know, our lives, you know what they're like compared to eternity? Like an hour. Like an hour. When should we not watch him? When should we not watch for ourselves in him? And when should we not watch properly for others? Oh boy, help us, Lord. Watch you and pray, lest you enter into what? Temptation. What is temptation? The temptation. I feel like I can be a certain way in the flesh. I can have a certain relationship. You know, this goes especially to those that we're closest to. And that speaks volume to all those that are even outside that intimate circle. That's what teaches them. And this is conviction, it's not condemnation. This is loving conviction and counsel for me. 
and for all of us. Watch you and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit truly is what? Ready. But the flesh is what? It's weak. It's weak. We see it. Acts 20. And then we'll get into the definition here. Acts 20. Acts 20. Verse 24. But none of these things move me. How many things would move us out of his presence, out of being watchful? None of these things move me. Do you know why? Because neither count I my life dear unto myself. And then say in myself, it's for my family or it's for my church. Or I let certain things slide in other believers because I let them slide in my life. And the enemy tells me, you can't preach those things because look what you do. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course, which is equal to an hour, with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord. I've received of the Lord. I've received because I'm watchful. I'm in his presence. Of the Lord Jesus to testify, to be a true witness of the gospel of the grace and glory of God through Jesus Christ. And now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching, the kingdom of God is ruling and reigning over you through being watchful, will see my face no more. Wherefore I take to you record what? This day that I am pure from the blood of all. For I have not shunned. Boy, if you don't know how to do this. Boy, you need to get it done. And I need to get it done. Oh, yes. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. So take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. How? Through watching. Take heed unto yourself and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's overseer is a watchman. He watches for himself, and when he's dealt with, now he has the ability, supernatural ability, to watch for others. His family, his schedule, his time. Parents, are you teaching your children in the home the things of Christ? Husbands, are you doing that? In your home with your wife or what occupies your time? Is it going here and going there? Oh, Lord, help us. And I do mean that. I say help me when I say us. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and over all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To what? To feed the church of God. Feed the church. How can I feed others when I myself, what am I feeding on? Familiarity, fleshly relationships, using words and conversation that don't have a thing to do with the word of God and thinking it's okay. That's why there's so many voices that are in the world There's only one voice that's of God, and that's Christ, his word, as opposed to many voices that give us the excuse and the cloak in John 15, 22, and how we think we should be and how we think we can be and call that freedom and don't judge me when I function in the flesh. Oh, Lord, help us all. Which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing will grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Here's verse 30, and I've seen this. And I've seen it right here. 
Also of your own selves will men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Did you know my conduct, how I actually live in the character of who I truly am, teaches way more than what I say? Did you know that? So I could, as an older man, live like a child, like live like a youthful lust guy, flee youthful lust in 2 Timothy 2.22, where I become the object, and I think i got to mix a little bit of myself with the preaching of the Word, which is utter nonsense and evil at its root, thinking that I have to do that. Yeah, because I'm making something of myself with Christ in the Word. We saw that, too, a certain weekend ago. For I know this, that after my departing, grievous wolves will enter in, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves will men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. You know, when I don't want to be taught, and I can't teach myself, I want to do it myself, because I want to draw away disciples from Christ to myself. Again, saw that at a certain weekend. Therefore, watch and remember. Can I remember without watching? Will I? You think we can? Do you think we have the ability to do so? That by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I command you to who? To God and to the word of his grace. Who's that? Is that Christ? Which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. Watch. Watch. First Timothy. Scores of other scriptures about which we'll get into. But no, 1 Corinthians 16. I want us to see this. 1 Corinthians 16. When I say I want us to see this, I want to show you what God showed me and invite you, if you will, to see it also, if you choose to. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Watch who? You. I can't do that for you. You can't do that to me personally. But I can, if it's personal with me, and I'm watching for me, God can. I can enter into his prayers and into his intercession for others. And then I know how to minister the word. I don't go willy-nilly off before I've watched and prayed. There's no preparation without prayer. There's no prayer without preparation. There shouldn't be any doing without receiving. Watch you. Stand fast, immovable in all those teachings, the faith. Stay. Don't move like a man in Christ. Be strong. What is prayer? In Acts 6, 4, what is prayer? It's God's sight of me. It's God's sight of everything and everybody. Should something replace that? I want to win people. I'll tell you, you, know, you think you want to win people? I'll tell you how you win them. If you're a pastor teacher, you preach the word of God. That's how you win them. And how about a little bit of Jeremiah 15, verse 19? You let them come to you. You don't return unto them. Preach the word. Preach it. Study it. Get exhausted over it. Spend hours in it. Hours and hours and hours. Hours and hours and hours in it. Oh, what a blessing you'll get. 
Oh, how Christ will be glorified and you'll be truly blessed and so will your family, those closest to you and everyone that you and I come in contact with. Watch you stand fast in the faith. Stay like men and live in the strength that's yours. Let all your things, when you do this, when you watch, all your things will be done with a self-sacrificial love, true love, agape love. Notice what it says. And then I said, he said, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus. Know that house. Don't get familiar with it. Don't get familiar with it. Don't make it mundane. To know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That only happens when you and I give ourselves to prayer. They, their addiction is Christ himself <laughs> proper, oh Lord, versus, be, versus the addiction and attachments of the fleshly life. God, certain people think, listen, you recognize that, that people that come to your local assembly, they're doing certain things in your local assembly. You know they shouldn't be doing them. Why are they doing them? Because you allow it. That's why. Do you allow it? Is that okay? Is it okay in my life? It starts in my life. And if it's not okay in my life, how could it be in another individual's? Oh, I don't want to offend them. I don't, you know, you know. Oh, please. Like they don't know better. Stop it. Jesus, you know, this person's doing this thing, right? Yeah, I know. And, and my question is, why is he doing it? I'll tell you why. You allow it. That's why. Isn't that simple? You allow it. What should we allow in our own lives that's sinful? Does a little leaven leaven the whole lump? So by that individual doing what he shouldn't be doing that you see him, him doing and you don't do anything about it, that's teaching people. What's next? Get me. Boy, oh boy, what's next? For, what's next in my life that doesn't get right? Well, they add sin unto sin in Isaiah 30, verse 1. They add sin unto sin. This is allowed. What's the next thing? The next thing, the next thing. When's the break? When is the break come? When should it come? When? When should I be afraid of their faces in Jeremiah 1.8? If I have godly reverence and godly fear, I will not be in love. I will speak the truth in love in Ephesians 4 verse 15. But nevertheless, nevertheless, and that can be something that's dealt privately. And then if there's resistance, then what do you do? Well, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Please. Please, let all your things be done. I beseech you to know the house of Stephanus. And they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helps with us. Either you help or you what? You hinder. Either you attract or you distract with us and laboring. And yes, I do want to say we do have perfect peace here right now because certain individuals aren't here. And I want to make that crystal clear, okay? Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. We do have peace, and it's, it is here. It's beautiful, and that's why. And I want to make that crystal clear. And I'm not against a single person. I deeply love them. I deeply love them. I deeply love them through the preponderance and depth of the Scriptures, but it's not to be allowed. 
You don't think an unbeliever and the way they act as a believer can't affect your peace? You want to make a bet and a half? Yes, it can. A little leaven does what? The whole lump. Need to deal with things, men. <laughs> Believe me, I didn't plan on preaching this way, I can tell you that. I was so convicted. And I prayed that the sentence would come out from his presence. And I believe he's answering it, regardless of how I feel, what the enemy wants to project towards me. That you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helps with us and, and labors. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I thank God for the man of God that I have here right now, but we need men. And I'm praying. And I want to make that clear. I'm praying. Giving myself to prayer, and we need men. And I need them here. Because God wants to do a great work. But that has to start in the individual. He didn't send me here, first and foremost, to do a great work. He sent me here to do a great work in me that only he could do. There's a lot of preciseness that we could have, by the way, guys, anytime we want it. And if you have the skill to do it, fine. If you don't, you need to come in here. Just do. I don't know how else to say it. So I'm glad. For they have refreshed my spirit in yours. Is who you're with, do they refresh your spirit and everyone else? Therefore, acknowledge you them as such. The church of Asia, those different local assemblies that are one, of Asia salute you. You know, Asia is very interesting. You know, the church was found in Asia. You know what the word Asia means? Mired in the muddy, muddy mud of the world system. But that's where we are. But here we are, the church. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Isn't that interesting? How should the church in my house function? Without order? Without preciseness? One gets away with one thing. I mean, what's the, what's the matter with that? All the brethren greet, greet you, greet you one another with a holy kiss. Here we are, almost nine. Watch. I'm going to get into this word. I have a couple of minutes. But this word watch with a, a bunch of other scriptures is gregeriol. It's G-R-E-G-O-R-E-U-O. It means to keep awake versus a passivity of sleep, resting in the world. Be vigilant to have been aroused from sleep. As, as to sleep is often, in this sense, to die. Of course, death is never extinction. So once, here we see this word in 1 Thessalonians 5.10, means to live, to be alive on earth, and not to be living like you're dead. Through watchlessness. Metaphorically, it means to watch, to give it strict attention to, to be cautious, to be active. If I'm active, is it grace? If it's grace, is it his love that's doing it? 
to take heed lest through remissness and indolence, look those words up, remissness and indolence, in the 1828 dictionary, some destructive calamity suddenly overtakes one or lest one be led to forsake Christ through a lack of watchfulness or be corrupted by errors. That's why we need to be careful that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. To be watchful in to, em, to what? To employ the most punctilious. What's punctilious? Extreme attention. Strict attention and absolute care in a particular thing. I won't even know what the thing is until I know. And I'm in his presence. Until I give myself to prayer. And even that word, I'm going to close with this. Even that word in the Old Covenant that we read, in those Psalms, and in Habakkuk, Watch is Tsafa, T-S-A-P-H-A-H. It means to lean forward. And I'm, it means to peer into the distance, that we're getting his view. Not only the past taken care of, not only presently, but presently in his presence, we're peering in and seeing what he sees, what could come against us, never mind anybody else. Against you, pastor, against me, it doesn't matter. To lean forward, to peer into the distance, and by implication to observe, to await, to behold, to look up and wait for, to keep the watch. To keep the watch. It's a night watch. We're going to get into these words again on Friday. To hedge about, to guard. If I, as a pastor, am not hedged about and guarded myself and protected myself and myself attended to, attended to by his supernatural ability, you tell me what do I have to give to anybody? What will I teach them? Take heed to self, Christian, to the flesh that sinners that we're not of in Romans 8 9, to keep, to mark, to look narrowly, to observe, to preserve, to regard. To save yourself from self, to be sure and steadfast, and to watch like God has created us as men. He created us in Christ. Men, initiators, under the, under the response of Christ the head in Colossians 1.18 and 2.19, what are we to do? What do we do? We are men that are watchful. That's Christian character. In 1 John 1.7. And by the way, there's no true fellowship without that watchfulness. There just isn't. <laughs> and it keeps out the strongholds. And boy, we don't have time to go into these things today. But boy, we can. We're going to go into, when we don't watch, what we function in. Concupiscence. Epithumia. Where do you see this? It's very convicting to me. But yet it was love that was doing it to keep me from being condemned with the world so that when I live with the world, okay, the, the Holy Spirit takes the word and separates in Hebrews 4.12 so that we don't be condemned with the world, but we convinced and convicted by his love in 1 Corinthians 11. You can see that even how you do anything in verses 29 to 32. So, Father, thank you for this precious truth, your loving conviction in Jesus' name, amen.